welcome to the Top Order podcast. Just like test cricketing crowds, the Top Order is diminished in terms of attendance this evening as well. The ground just 50% full for this episode of This Week in Cricket. We will talk a little bit West Indies Australia, India, New Zealand, England, Pakistan and goings on from around the cricketing world, including brief chat about the White Ferns all coming up on the Top Order podcast. Stay tuned. Well, Lippy, as I... Well, Lippy, as I, oh, we've got multiple swishes, uh, a swish for each absent member of the Top Order podcast, I think, for uh, for, for this evening. Don't, um, don't j- Lippy, onto the, uh, onto the controls. That's the rule of this. Mate, so look, j- just me and you um, catching up this evening, um, Bordy uh, and, and Raj, unfortunately, um, yeah, look, they're on planes from one day series to join the test series and haven't quite made it. <laughs> in time but look joking aside we are going to talk a little bit about that um it it doesn't seem too long ago i was back from melbourne celebrating a bit of silverware for england but if we kind of look at it since then england have played three one in one day internationals and started a test match on a completely different continent and india and new zealand have completed two uh white ball series in that period of time as well And, and australia as well kicking off a test match at perth you know the opposite side of the country to that um, MCG final a, a little over two weeks ago. So lots going on in the, in the world of cricket. But let's start with New Zealand India. You boys went to the game at Eden Park, the the ODI game. Just tell us a little bit about how that yeah how that felt after you know a, a diet of T Twenty cricket over the course of the last sort of four or five weeks. Yeah, it's funny because the, the first thing Raj and I uh, met up on the, in the morning and, and jumped on the the bus and uh, sort of the first thing Raj said to me was I, I can't it sort of feels really weird to be going to a game of cricket that's going to last all day and um, I think that's there were there were actually quite a few things that sort of stood out that we might get into I guess the differences of one day cricket and T Twenty cricket but I think actually the thing that stood out most to me is that. I really love ODI cricket. I know that there's been so much, uh, so much chat around how do we kind of fix one-day cricket and how do we sort of uh, take away these boring parts in the middle and um, all of that kind of stuff. But I actually think it's a better showcase for ODI for you know the the talent that you need at the top level and the skills that all different players can play. I mean, am I alone on this island here, Binksy? Um. Look, it's a, it's a little bit of a of a difficult one. We we've not played a whole heap of ODI cricket and um, in recent times, and then have had to tack this three match one day international series on in Australia. And, and look, that was to fulfil some broadcast rights. And um, look, we talked a little bit about it. And this, you know, this isn't a sour grapes comment at all. But England didn't pick their best side, and I think very you know very honestly and deliberately kind of probably called that out as well. Um, and Joss Butler, even you know, throughout the series and at the end of the series, was talking about you know really how relevant was this in in the cricketing landscape. So I, I think that that's that you know that's the thing for me. And we talked a little bit about it off air. If there's relevancy, I love one day international cricket. Um, but I just wonder at the moment. Um, you know, yes, there's a lead up to the 50 over World Cup, but that's you know a significant period of time away still in terms of um, you know a scheduling perspective. So I, I just wonder whether or not squeezing this stuff in for broadcast rights. Um, and look, I think, you know, the, the ultimate thing that you've got to point to with these is the crowds. Um, the crowds definitely weren't there in Australia. I know there were a few people in at Eden Park and 
there was a bit of weather around so that you know there's some reasons that you wouldn't um you wouldn't necessarily travel to see a game of cricket but um my experience has been if we think about the last time india came over and played i was at eden park and it was absolutely chock-a-block um, full of, uh, of fans, you know, a lot of Indian fans coming out to watch the cricket. But we we didn't see that uptake in, in the games across New Zealand over the course of the last couple of weeks as well. So, yeah, look, I, I think people voting with their feet a little bit. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I would say that I do think the crowds were, were pretty good here in New Zealand for that T20 series and, and ODI stuff. I, I know, yeah, there were a few empty seats at Eden Park I think that's kind of always the case. It's funny, Raj said to me, uh, a friend of his uh, said that uh, he didn't go to the game because Virat wasn't there. So that's sort of a, a point that, you know, you, you've raised before about picking the top sides. And I sort of that sort of never occurred to me, but the, you know, the fact that someone said that, and I suppose to be fair, a lot of the people at Eden Park at least were, um, you know, supporting India and the Indian crowd was awesome. You know, Raj and I went and sat with them for, for a long part of that. But, yeah, I don't know. I just still feel like, you know, look, as a batter, you've got to go out there and kind of face two new balls. You've got to have the skills to be able to do, handle some early movement early in the innings. But then also because of T20 cricket, now you have to go out with the and sort of have the ability to chase down 160 in the last 20, 100 in the last 10. You sort of need all facets of the game. And even as a bowler, like you can't just bowl dot balls. In an ODI, whereas in a T20, you can kind of just bowl darts and get away with a, a with dot balls. You've, if you're not taking wickets in ODI cricket, you've got to be incredibly economical. Or actually, like because batters can hit the ball so well in that last 20, if you're not taking wickets, then they've got such a good platform to just explode. So, yeah, I really feel like, I don't know, I, I just love ODI cricket and I, I hope they don't tinker with it too much. And even in that game, I sort of found myself going, what is, when, what is these power plays? When does this power play apply? And how many fielders are out? And, and they're just sort of constantly tweaking with it. And um, yeah, I, I, don't, I hope it doesn't go down to 40 overs because I think that would diminish, you know, what we get out of the game, which is almost the halfway house between Test Cricket and ODI Cricket. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and T20, sorry. Yeah, look, my, my final point on it, Lippy, would be, and, and look, I'll make a terrible analogy. You, you, you wouldn't go and see... Coldplay without Chris Martin or Guns N' Roses without Axl Rose. And it, it feels a little bit like that when some of the, the top players are actually choosing very specifically that this is the format that they'll um, that they'll skip. You know, we can talk a little bit about the scheduling, but, you know, the fact, the, the fact that the like of Ben Stokes is, you know, retired from one day international cricket, Virat Kohli, Rohit Sharma, Jasprit Bumrah, I think all missed this series for, for India. Um, so, you know, when you're not, uh, yeah, when you've not got those players there, for me, it diminishes the products a little bit. Um, and, you know, after all, if you look at the way that a lot of cricket's being played now, even, you know, England in the in the test arena are saying this is an entertainment product and we want to entertain as we play it. Um, I don't necessarily 100% agree with that mentality for test cricket. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure we'll come on to that. But um, I, I think that, you know, it is ultimately the white ball game and entertainment um, product. So I, I think you want your best entertainers entertainers there. What, what did you make of the series just from, a, I, I guess, the actual cricket perspective? Um, you know, Kane Williamson's return to form, Tom Latham looking really, really good. And perhaps, you know, a little bit of a damp squib in terms of some of the uh, 
some of the Indian players that we were looking forward to, to, to seeing perform on that stage? Yeah, damp squib is kind of a good a good way to kind of describe the series, really. Such a massive shame that there was so much rain in this series because I think the games that we did see, we saw some amazing cricket. Even just thinking about that T20 game, well, we had the, the tie, tied game, Duckworth-Lewis, weird, yeah. bizarre situation there. But, you know, Surya Kumar Yadav's 100 in that, that T20 game that India did win. I mean, just astonishing I mean continuing on his form from T20 World Cup yeah amazing amazing player and then moving to the the ODI that was an awesome ODI at Eden Park I I was sitting there thinking um, Eden Park gets a lot of stick around the you know around the world for the short boundaries and and people kind of you know make fun of it as a ground but it leads to some pretty awesome games I I can't remember going there in recent times and not having like a really good time. And that's not just because of the cricket. I think when you're there, you're sort of right on, you know, lots of, you can have lots of different views at Eden Park and some of them end up, you're right on top of the game. It seems we didn't actually go into the the media box, but I mean the media box, you end up, you know, you're right uh, dead in line with the pitch. It feels like you're sort of at the top of the bowlers market times. And, um, yeah, we were down with the, the Indian fans kind of just to the, the right of that. And yeah, you're, you're so close to the action. And look, I, I don't know. I mean, you were messaging us, uh, sort of sounded a bit jealous that you, you decided not to come when uh, when Latham and Kane were putting together that partnership. Yeah, look, I'd agree with you. I, I, yeah, Eden Park gets a terrible rap, doesn't it, as an international cricket venue? Um, mm. I, I like it. I really do. Like, like you say, I think it, it's great viewing. It's, uh, you know, a comfortable and relatively modern stadium. Um, I've enjoyed every single game of cricket I've seen there, bar the England test match <laughs> in, uh, what was it, 20? Oh, I can't remember, but we were 40 yeah. for five by lunch and I barely got my first pint and, you know, sat down to a massive amount of grief from you boys. So, um, <laughs> but no, look, I think it's, it is a really, really good place to watch cricket. And I, and I think ultimately as well, that is one of the, you know, one of the great things about the game, isn't it, is that we do play on such different um, pitches in terms of the playing surface, but also the dimensions of the ground. Um, you know, we saw that across even two consecutive T20 World Cups in, you know, Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi and the, mm. the Abu Emirates, where, you know, grounds are a little bit smaller. We saw some of those high scoring games. And then we go across to Australia where, you know, using the square boundaries, bowling into the wicket, running lots of twos. It was a you know, completely different game plan. So, look, I, I, I like that and I like Eden Park as a um, as a venue. And I, I think I, um, oh, I, I think just adding on that, I, I, I love it as a white ball venue. I, I don't think it's not a, place a test venue, for yeah. test cricket. Yeah. I would love to see us, you know, find a, a better test venue in Auckland. It doesn't seem like it's coming anytime soon. But, but I mean, look, I do want to also touch on you know that mainly that Kane Williamson and, and Tom Latham partnership. It was, it, I, th- I think in one sense it was awesome just to see Kane Williamson kind of have that moment almost. I know it's sort of a meaningless one day series in a way, but he just copped so much stick for the way that he's played over the past little while. And I've said before, I, I think it's kind of unwarranted, but the it was just cool to basically see him play the perfect innings for the situation and just bat through that innings, have Latham bat around him. 
I mean, Latham, I think people kind of forgot what Latham's kind of like as a, an ODI player. And that, I, I mean, I, I, I would say that's, you know, that's got to be his best, you know, limited overs innings for, for New Zealand. I, I know it is on the, the scorecard, but also just the way that he managed that innings came back and, you know, things were in the balance. And I was sitting there with Raj and we were trying to work out, I guess I'm, I'm a big one for when you're watching the game, trying to think about where you've got to get to in all these spots. And we were like, well, at 30 overs, they need to be 160 runs to win. And then at 100, and then at 10 overs, we need to be here. And basically, New Zealand was just hitting all of those marks. And you could kind of see Kane and Latham, Tom Latham, sort of doing the same thing and planning it out. And then Tom Latham just took Shuttle to core apart. And, and that was game over. And they just cruised to the win. So, yeah, awesome, awesome stuff to see. And I think that even flowed on to, to Kane's captaincy and in the way that he, uh, I think, took more risks, I, th- I think, in this ODI series than we're accustomed to seeing. He put in a slip to Surya Kumar Yadav, which is something that you don't always see when an established batter comes in, especially when it's like we were watching Sky um, waiting to come into bat and he was pacing around the dugout and he looked like he was super keen, rearing to go, walked out there. Kane puts in a slip when India's in a great position, nicks him off straight away, and he's walking back to the pavilion. He did the same in the, the uh, what was it, the the final ODI, I guess. And yeah, even even just the way that he rotated his bowlers, bringing Daryl Mitchell on instead of Mitchell Sant. Now, I, I think he showed a lot of encouraging signs that we can kind of look for, I guess, going forward. And um, yeah, as you say, building up potentially to this ODI World Cup, we might see a bit more one-day cricket. Um. A word from Martin Guptal. Um, obviously, news coming out in the, I guess, the precursor to that series that he had had some conversations around his contract. I don't know the correct terminology, but he's been released from it, I believe, in order to pursue some yeah. franchise deals still remaining available for New Zealand selections. Thoughts on that from a Kiwi point of view? Look, I, I almost think that we're. I think New Zealand had made it very clear in that T20 World Cup that they see Finnellan as having the front spot for Martin Guptill's spot, essentially. They're prepared to put the time into him and decided that he's they're going to be our white ball opener going forward. Conway is there. I think there's no arguments with Conway. So in that sense, I, I, I mean, I don't know who initiated this. I guess that's where the... The conversation starts. Guptill might have said, "Well, look, if I'm not going to play that many games, why don't I go and you know, can I be released from my contract? I'm, I've, my agent's got me a BBL deal. My, you know, I've, I've got offers for to go to the PSL and and all these other leagues around the world. There are so many opportunities now. And look, I, I think people, a lot of people went, look, this is really sad. It's Martin Guptill's been treated this way and all this kind of stuff. But I don't really buy into any of that. I, I would say, look." The, there's could very well be a chance that Martin Guptill, if he doesn't go to get picked up with the IPL, which he's never really had much interest there in the past, that he'll play in the um, final series of the New Zealand summer when uh, all of the other IPL players go off. I don't necessarily think this is the last time we've seen Martin Guptill in a New Zealand shirt. I think it's very hard to kind of give someone a farewell in these sort of times now it's it's sort of just not how things work you don't necessarily get to choose your retirement spot and and all this stuff and as much as Finn Allen has struggled at times I I do agree with the fact that 
he's someone who's got so much talent and he's such a match winner that it is time to give him the opportunity. And I think we saw in that final ODI that, you know, giving him that opportunity is going to give him chances to actually play innings where he can just bat. And I think trying to get him as much time as the crease in the international stage is, is only going to benefit him. So, yeah, look, it's it's there's no doubt he, Gupta has been an amazing, amazing player for New Zealand and, and he'll go down as one of our white ball greats and he's contributed hugely to the amount of success we've had in that format for the past six, seven, eight years. So, yeah, look, he's, he's played a huge part, but, yeah, I, I think it's the right time to move on and, and go to Finn Allen. Awesome. Anything we want to cover off before we leave New Zealand, India and the aftermath of that series? We'll segue in a sec to, to Pakistan, England, but we'll cover some other things going on very briefly as well. Uh, it might be just a nice time to mention also that the, the White Ferns are, are cracking into action again tomorrow. We're recording this on a Thursday night here in New Zealand. Uh, White Ferns got a series, three T20s and three ODIs against Bangladesh, which is it's cool to have you know, female teams here on these shores. It's not something that happens that regularly. So uh, we obviously had the, the World Cup here last last year, but well, was that even that was the start of this year. It's sort of all merging into one. But yeah, look, kind of I'm excited to see uh, actually Molly Penfold in the mix this time. She's uh, been contracted and someone that I think New Zealand fans are, are going to be looking forward to. I guess a lot of young players, a lot of that contracting stuff, young players were brought into the mix and now it's kind of seeing them as professional players and having that opportunity to, I guess, develop and grow their game. She just bought, took Pfeiffer against the against Bangladesh playing for the, the New Zealand 11. Looked like she was bowling with really good wheels. So, yeah, kind of interested to see how, how she gets on. But I think this will be a, a series that New Zealand will expect to win and I, and I hope uh, that they can do that nicely and uh, and do it well. Let's move on and talk a little bit of test cricket. We've got the, look, I guess at this stage, a bonus that Baldy's not on the pod this evening. So we, we don't need to talk too much about Australia um, in Perth. They've just declared 598 for four. Uh, unluckily for Travis Head, he's dismissed for 99. Um, but uh, Steve Smith bringing up a double hundred to go with Marna Slabashane, who also got a double hundred. So, look, in that game, we've seen a lot of runs, a lot of idiosyncratic uh, leaving and probably no run called <laughs> at the top of people's voices far too many times for certainly for, for my liking. But look, joking aside, um, a really good batting performance there from um, from Australia going around, along and look, a rather pedestrian 3.91 per over because um, there has been a test match kicked off today in Raul Pindi. It was looking under a little bit of doubt with some illness in and around the England camp and forced them into just one change, actually, from the 11 that they named two days out from the Test match. Um, but England rattling along in that first session, uh, 177 for none at the lunch break. Uh, Zach Crawley, I think, was 90, uh, 90 not out or something like that, and Ben Duckett, 77 not out of the lunch break, which was, mm-hmm. which was pretty fantastic. But... Has that caught your eye, or is this just too much cricket going on all, all at once, Lippy? Oh, look, the you you summed up the Australia uh, West Indies test for me it, as much as I want to. Uh, yeah, it doesn't inspire me to go and watch uh, those two bat for for long periods of time. I am quite interested to watch Chanderpaul Junior have a have a bat. I hope he uh, he does well. That's yeah. kind of a cool. 
cool thing for us, uh, you know, kids of the the eighties and nineties to to in two thousands to kind of go in there and uh, and watch another Chanderpool batting for for the West Indies. That's pretty cool. And look, I, I think Australia and, and um, you know in the series that we're about to get to that I actually before I saw this first session perhaps had a, a lot more interest in it than me. But you know these series are quite important for the World Test Championship and and uh, you know Australia is going to be pretty keen to kind of do the um, to win that series two 0 to kind of get themselves in a really really nice position to to be in that final and but look it, Pakistan I kind of thought would be in a similar boat trying to be uh, creating wickets to to play result cricket and and make this an exciting series against England but then I watched um, to be fair I didn't watch the first hour but then watched. This, the second hour of that first session, we're recording this. Yes, listeners, we couldn't, we can't really line up all these games of cricket, so we're recording this at l- at the lunch break actually of the the first session of the the Pakistan England Test. But yeah, I mean, like you say, England just flying along, and I'm actually just so astonished with Brendan McCullum. I know it's not all him, but I, I I've said it to you before. I I cannot believe that this has lasted this long. I guess of the of the turnaround you know I, I just feel like we it, it went so well and you often see that new manager bounce and all that kind of stuff but it feels real now it feels absolutely real and it feels like this is the team that England is and you know they're you know Zach Crawley under a lot of pressure he's gone out and delivered in this game they brought in Ben Duckett he's just looks very comfortable at that level it was actually quite amazing seeing uh, Crawley and Duckett standing next to each other. I didn't quite realise the, the yeah, height, height difference. difference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like Binksy, what are you like? Are you just becoming accustomed to to this is this is England Test cricket now? Look, probably not. I'm probably still in my pessimistic view that you've got to watch both <laughs> sides bat on a wicket first, and let's see whether this turns into a 500 place 500 stalemate um, or whether the game you know accelerates on um, day four and day five if you know if the wicket does break up at all it didn't when in, in uh, sorry when Pakistan played Australia uh, roughly this time last year it was you know pretty much three uh, three roads and but for a fantastic bowling performance from I think Pat Cummins um, that you know that sealed the series for Australia you know it would have been a pretty dull yeah pretty dull watch um, but for that Look, it's fantastic. I think that, you know, the guys are playing with this freedom and, you know, a brand of cricket as much as I hate that phrase. Um, I know you were really interested in Mike Atherton's comments around whether they're picking sort of horses for courses. Um, You know, this selection, look, partly influenced, I think, by the fact that Ben Folk's um, wicketkeeper had to pull out this morning on the morning of the game. Will Jack's coming in. Um, He's done a fantastic job, and I think Surrey have got to take a lot of credit for that. Um, they've got a couple of spinners on the books there um, that didn't get as much of a go as Will Jacks last year. He averages over 50, I think, with the ball in red ball cricket, in first-class mm-hmm. cricket. But with the bat, is a genuine batting option and uh, turned himself into you know, a, a batting, spinning all-rounder, if that makes sense. Um, and he's come into this team alongside Jack Leach um, as a genuine spinner. Um, that you know, they said before the game that Liam Livingston was picked as a third spinner, intimating yeah. that Joe Root was the second spinner, and now Jacks okay. has come in as well. So, um, England have got eight, nine batting options in this test match. Um, when you look at their side, you know that they really do bat 
um, yeah, almost, you know, almost right down, I suppose, to, um, yeah, the, the bottom of their, you know, the bottom of their order. Um, and then they've got, you know, a lot of bowling options. Only, um, yeah, only, I guess, a couple of really genuine seam options. We'll see how much, uh, see how much Ben Stokes bowls. I, I noticed again in all the pre-match stuff, his knee very, very heavily strapped in that, um, yeah, in that sort of warm-up. So Ollie Robinson and, and James Anderson will carry a lot of that uh, seeming workload, I think. But yeah, look, well, fantastic to see so far. Look, well, you mentioned Livingston before, and I, I should give you some credit. You did um, say a little while ago, I think, maybe even few, you know six months ago, that you thought Livingston was a chance to kind of work himself into this test frame. And I... I I sort of thought that's kind of bizarre because doesn't seem, you know, like the way he plays T20 cricket is is just so, you know, it's so different to traditional uh, traditional test cricket. I guess, as we just talked about, McCullum's not necessarily playing traditional test cricket. But what, like, do you think that this is a, you know, picking it, about a picking Livingston in this series? Or do you think he's actually got a chance to sort of, work his way into this test side around the world yeah look it's it, it's an interesting one he's carded to bat at number eight um in this side so i think that you know when we're playing in australia or we're playing in england are we going to play a guy that bats eight and might bowl you a few leg breaks and off breaks and the answer to that has probably got to be no um so you know i genuinely do think it is about going into this on really, really flat wickets with a lot of different bowling options so that they can um, keep the seamers relatively fresh, move things around, try different things, try different matchups, almost a little bit with that T20 mentality. Um, but the guy's got an undoubted class about him in terms of the way that he bats. Um, and I think, you know, he's also played a decent amount of first-class cricket. I think he's played, you know, 50 or 60 first-class games. So it's not like he's a bolter. Um, you know, he's got first-class hundreds. He's got the ability to construct an innings over um, a decent period of time. So maybe it's just that freedom that he will have to be able to kind of ease his way into test cricket, batting at seven or eight, almost with no pressure on him. And then, you know, does he become someone that can, you know, can get themselves up to number six or number seven? Um, and he is a triple threat player, isn't he? You know, he bats, he bowls, and he, he feels fantastically well. So he's the kind of cricketer that I think, you know, Brendan McCullum is going to want in um, all of his cricket teams. Um, and yeah, look, he'd be an exciting person to watch get going on a good wicket in Australia, for example. So um, yeah, look, hopefully um, he can translate some of that undoubted white ball class into um, into the red ball game. Not unlike someone like Harry Brook, um, who's, you know, a really exciting player, got shades of Kevin Peterson about him and, and, and Liam Livingston a little bit as well in terms of that box office factor. And um, you mentioned that Atherton comment before. Um, for anyone who sort of didn't listen to to his uh, commentary in that first session, he was talking about how England is... The, one of the big mindset things that they've changed is that they now... They used to just... It sort of always used to be a focus on the future of their test game. They were always building up to the next dashes. They were resting players. They were... Uh, always trying to think, okay, we'll we'll pick these guys now because in nine months' time, they might be good to bowl on Australian wickets or whatever. And 
and uh, the big mindset change is the fact that they've gone, well, no, now we're just going to pick the best team to win the next test. Do you think that, I mean, I have sort of some thoughts that the fact that, uh, you know, England was so low down in their test cricket has kind of given Brendan McCullum to do whatever he wants, and, and that's made a huge impact in terms of being able to turn things around so quickly. But also, do you think that the the huge diet of white ball cricket has kind of made this possible? Because in many ways now, white ball, as you said when we were talking before about ODI cricket, white ball cricket is now where people take rests. It doesn't seem like people uh, you know, need to be rested in test cricket anymore because there's just such... Uh, I mean, one, the squad is very different, but also, yeah, that everyone is taking... Uh, a rest from this white ball stuff and yeah, in many ways I feel like that's made it easier to actually put some emphasis on this English test side Yeah, I think the only difference that um, you'll find with that from an England perspective is we still play far many more test matches than most other countries so um, we'll play um, these three tests in Pakistan, we've then got a series in New Zealand, I think we play three test matches in um, in February time, we then play the Ashes, and we'll have also some other. Um, you know, I, I, I've got to admit, I can't remember who the other nation that's going to tour England in, in the in next summer, next English summer is going to be. But we'll play probably 15, 16, 17 Test matches in a year, whereas other teams will, will only play maybe 10, 12 max. So I still think England are going to need to do that, particularly in terms of their bowlers. Um, and then I think you'll find the likes of, you know, Johnny Bairstow. He's obviously got a serious injury not, right now. He's not being rested. But I think you'll obviously see, um, you know, some necessary rest, rotation, rehabilitation from injury of, of, of batting stocks in those India, England and Australia teams that play a lot more test cricket. Um, but, yeah, look, I, I, think you, I think you're right, particularly your test-only players are, are able now to just concentrate on that format because they don't have to go back and play too much county or domestic first-class cricket to be tuned up anymore. You know, England have rocked up in Ralpindi, you know, a, a week, 10 days after a World Cup victory and, um, you know, peeled off a T20 score in the first session um, of the Test match as well. Um, so they, I think that that's, you know, that's gone away. You don't need that sort of hit a thousand red balls in order to be ready for a Test series anymore, it seems. So absolutely, I think you, you will see um, you will see that in that England Test side. What I'm most interested to see is where they go with the top order. So Ben Duckett, um, they've made a lot about the fact that he plays spin really well. He sweeps and reverses, and um, you know looks like he's a player that's going to prosper on those kind of slightly slower and lower wickets with the the cross bat shots and the way that he drives with a lot of bottom hand and tries to get over the top of it and crash it through the covers. Um, whether or not that translates to Australian pitches or the ball nipping around in England as it does, you know, only time uh, will tell. But he certainly, on today's performance, put a relatively decent first foot forward in his return to Test cricket after six or seven years. And and look, uh, you know, we uh, we won't talk too much. I won't I won't quiz you too much about uh, this series because, as you say, time will tell. And uh, I, I know you want to get back to. To watching England smash it around all parts, it is a it is a series that I'll be sort of paying a lot more attention to. Um, you know, kind of I guess trying to get uh, a picture of what Pakistan looks like as well, because 
They go straight into the series, I think, with about a three or four or five-day gap, really, really short gap between the last test against England and then straight into the test series against New Zealand, which, you know, New Zealand's, I suppose it's going to be quite interesting to see the squad that goes over for, for New Zealand, particularly if these pitches are going to be like that. I, you know, a contracting situation, I think there's no chance we see Trent Bolt. Kyle Jameson still returning from from injury. I think there's, uh, you know, every chance that our seam bowling attacks just is Saudi, Henry, and and Neil Wagner. Feels like Neil Wagner might have to bowl a lot of a lot of overs, and and, and then uh, you know have Ajaz and and possibly Michael Bracewell in there and as well. So yeah, it's going to be quite interesting to see what happens. Um, yeah, and a few you know few players around the New Zealand domestic scene, which we won't get into too much because there's been a lot of of rain, but you know I, I think it's been really encouraging that. When you go th- go and look at the top of the the run scoring charts and the bowling charts of the Plunkett Shield in particular, you see a lot of familiar names. Whether they're uh, people like Tom Blundell, who's been really really good for for Wellington and looks in, in great form, or people like Cole McConkie or or Tom Bruce, who've been in around that New Zealand New Zealand A setup as well. It's kind of encouraging to see those players that uh, you know outli- out- identified as the the you know, top players and, and contenders for these sides to be actually performing. So, yeah, very, very much looking forward to, to the next couple of weeks. And I guess the next time we talk, we, we might actually know what's happened in this test. So we'll be able to analyse it a, a bit better than we can right now. Fantastic. Well, Lippy, always good to talk cricket, even if it is just the two of us in the virtual room this evening. Hopefully we'll manage to get our contract negotiations ready for a full return to cricket for uh, Michael and, and Raj next week. Uh, we've got Hall of Fames planned. We've also obviously got the wrap-ups to this England-Pakistan test and the next one coming up thick uh, and fast after that as well. So this series wrapped up in, in rapid time, England home, well in time for Christmas. Lots of domestic cricket, lots of international cricket going on. Fingers crossed that the New Zealand weather starts to uh, pick up Um, But for now, it's good night and good bless from us all here at the Top Order Podcast. We'll see you soon. Good night.